So this is my chance to say having shot put finals every day was wonderful. Mesdames et messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Hello, fans of Shook Liston, and welcome to another episode of Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for friend, fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you? Hello. I'm still a little hungover. <laughs> Me too. Oh, my goodness. Getting actual sleep has been amazing. <laughs> I keep waking up at, you know, three o'clock in the morning and, oh, I should be doing something. No. Well, I'm sure there's a feed on that you haven't seen. There are a lot that I haven't seen yet, and I'm realizing how much I haven't seen from both the Olympics and the Paralympics. It's scary. Then we watched, it wasn't like we didn't spend most hours of the day watching this. So I'm a little overwhelmed and confused. Ah, Let's alleviate that with our guests. We are joined today by superfan Sarah and book club Claire for another post-Tokyo contributor roundtable. Hello, Claire and Sarah, welcome back. Hello. I'm excited to be here. Oh, we are talking Paralympics today. We will do like we did for the Olympics. Top five moments of the games. These were pretty amazing to see. Let's start with you, Claire. What's your fifth best moment of these games? This is hard. I'm going to have to give you a salute, Jill, because I really appreciated that you explained as much of the classifications as you could when you were announcing your the podiums for every event. And I did always giggle when you mentioned the trunk, I will admit. <laughs> it was really great to just start to realize where the classifications were, what was visual impairment that was going to be like in the 11s and 13s. And I know it's different for, for all of them, but it did help me to understand it a lot better. And compared to five years ago, I know so much more. And part of that was thanks to you. Oh, thank you very much. I thought that was important to do, because, especially when I watch and they just rattle off a class and I don't know what it is and we didn't get the Lexi system on. And I know that in a way I rattled off what the class was, but I did feel like it helped put things into context. And the more you said something, yeah, we got into the 11s to 13s. We're talking visually impaired. 20 was probably intellectual impairment for a number of classes, but it's so tough when you have different numbers mean different things for different sports. So I think that's something I definitely want to work on trying to find the uh, cohesion, I think is the word for the winter Paralympics and, and try to be a little bit better and smarter about it. And we absolutely need to give a shout out to Giles Long and Lexi Systems because we were using their website to get our information and get that out to the listeners. So Lexi was a godsend for us. So easy to use, so easy to understand. It's like NBC could have used it. (laughs) Oh, NBC. (laughs) Oh, man. Sarah, your fifth best moment of the games. 
Okay, so I'm really struggling to put these in order. So just take it, take my order with a grain of salt. But that being said, fifth, I gotta say the behind the scenes work that was going on to make sure that the athletes from Afghanistan could compete in Tokyo and be there safely. I sat there like a small child crying whenever I read the story that they had been, we knew that they were safe. We didn't know where they were. And then to hear that they actually arrived in Tokyo to compete, so significant. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the woman from Afghanistan, she's the first female Paralympic athlete. Is that right? She's actually the second. They were reporting it as the first for a while, but then they discovered there was one previous. Okay, thank you for that. With all the sickness in my house, I got a little behind. But yeah, it just absolutely incredible. It shows the power of sport. It shows how significant representation is. We know that there's just so much going on over there, but it was really cool to know that they were there safely. And a little follow-up, the IOC Executive Board met today being Wednesday, September 8th, and they talked a little bit about the Afghanistan situation, and they have helped to get all of the athletes from the Olympics and Paralympics from Tokyo. Are They were already outside the country. They've got two winter sport athletes who are now outside of the country in training, And the IOC family members from Afghanistan received humanitarian visas and could leave. And they're working on getting other, as many people out as they can. But the athletes are now getting scholarships so that they can continue their training outside of Afghanistan. So the, both the, IPC and the IOC are, I think, working very hard to make sure that these athletes can continue doing what they do. Allison, number five. Mine feels rather boring because mine is going back to road cycling where Team GB won four medals in about two minutes. They had gold and silver in the women's division and the gold and silver in the men's division. And the party started right at the sidelines pretty much right away. And that was just fun to see. Obviously, cycling and Great Britain has a long history. So seeing that, seeing the men and the women cheering each other on. And you've got Dame Sarah Story, who is the most successful British Paralympian, getting so excited about everybody else sharing in that. So it's like when teams come together, even when it's not a particularly team sport. And I'm going to go with my number five being Eden Seidenfeld from the USA winning gold in table tennis. And his father is his coach and also won gold I believe in Barcelona in 1992 for paratable tennis. I just thought that was a beautiful moment of father and son. And dad was saying later, oh, he's got this weight lifted off his shoulders if he felt so much pressure just trying to live up to what he may have thought were expectations, even though they weren't there. So it was really beautiful to see the father-son combo winning goals here in Tokyo. All right, number four. Sarah, we'll start with you on this one. Oh boy. Number four, I've got to say the universal relay. That was so cool to watch. I know that we all like athletics, but 
<laughs> so I, I was trying not to have so many athletics things, but it's so hard. So yeah, the Universal Relay, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I loved watching all the countries compete. We know that USA won. We had a stellar team there. But one of the things that I did love is I think there was a picture where Nick Mayhew was bowing down to Tatiana McFadden just to recognize her as the GOAT. And I just, I thought that camaraderie was really fun to see and that they all got to be a part of that. So I love the Universal Relay. I want more of it. We all know I loved mixed relays and this was on my list too. And it was mixed in such an even better way. And I found a lot of the mixed relays in the Olympics very disappointing and not fulfilling that showing men and women competing together. But this was the best kind of men, women, different disabilities, all competing together. I agree. You got to wonder if there can be more opportunities for that. Do you know of any, I know there were a couple where you added the classifications and you had to get to a certain, but I wonder if there are more where you could mix a wheelchair with, you know, lower limb disability or something like that events. I I don't know if that's really possible, but it would be cool if they were to do something like that. Universal Relay, once I saw it, I'm just like, this is the greatest thing ever. So yeah, I definitely agree with both of you. Maybe they could do that for triathlon because they had in the Olympics, they had a mixed triathlon, but I bet they could make it a universal event because it would, that would be really cool. All right, Allison, you're number four. We're going to stay with athletics and I'm going to go with the T54 women's marathon. So that was the wheelchair class where you had one second between gold and silver, four seconds between silver and bronze at the end of a marathon. (laughs) really fantastic race. And it was a good race throughout. Really exciting, much more exciting than you expect a marathon to be. Usually they're very plodding. This was, you're cheering in a marathon. And of course, it was great for the whole marathon to see some crowds. And Claire, what about your number four? I've got to give some love to Bacha. I did watch one of the gold medal matches in full. It was the BC3 with Greece's Grigoris Polychronitis playing the Czech Republic's Adam Feshka. And just see how they had very little control over their bodies. They could barely use their heads for that matter. I think they both, one of them at least, used a helmet to help push the ball down the ramp. And I think Peshka, he might have also, I'm getting my Bacha scores mixed up, but he might have had it in his mouth to push it. And it just blew my mind that it was just so cool. The assistants that were there, as I'm learning, okay, they can't see the court at all. They have to rely on what the athlete is telling them in order to set up the ramps and to position it just right. And I, I adored that. I thought that it was a great way, if that, that's what the Paralympics is all about, where you are allowing people that would never have been able to do any sort of Olympic competition to still participate and, and win and get medals. And I love watching it, especially the BC3. It was fabulous to watch, and I would like to see more of it, for sure. I would agree with you on Bacha. Bacha was so interesting and so strategic. And that communication in the BC3 class, you just saw how important that was. And yeah, I would like to watch more of that just to understand 
the intricacies of knowing your ramp and knowing how high up to move it and how much does it move up at a time? Can you move it just millimeters or do you have like notches that you have to go up? And all of that thought process that goes into making these shots is just incredible. It's just in Bacha as a whole. So I'm really looking forward to seeing more of that in future Paralympics. Like I said on the show, I think it could be like curling where it just we all understand one day what a cool sport this is and what a great way to show inclusivity in a way that I think many people go, oh, these people in wheelchairs who are extremely disabled, they can't do anything athletic. But no, they really can. And that's pretty amazing. I I will mention that the BC3 had the ramps and such, but I think the other classes, they were using their hands to throw. So there was that level of strategery involved where they had to, you know, the speed of the ball, how fat, how uh, hard they threw it. But I did, I did really enjoy the BC3 just for the ramp play because it was totally unlike anything I'd ever seen. All right. I am going to go back to the track and say women's shot put F37 class, Lisa Adams from New Zealand, winning gold, coached by sister Valerie Adams. That was an incredible family moment. The shot put throwing was fantastic. There are several different classes of shot put on the women's side that were just amazing to watch. But this is always one of those moments that you're like, oh, I cannot get better than number three, Allison. Ooh, I get to go first. I'm going to go with the women's sitting volleyball final. The USA and China was just such a such great play, such great match. Oh, <laughs> Sarah is telling me she has it on her list. And <laughs> Claire did too. I think we all had it. It was such a great sport that I had not been really exposed to before. And this was clearly the pinnacle of the sport, which is what you want to see at the Paralympics. And it made the trifecta. The women's volleyball teams from Team USA won every single gold, Paralympics and uh, Olympics, indoor, beach, and sitting. I, I thought when I saw that yesterday, I was like, that is so cool. It's the first time any country has ever done that. It, yes. And one more thing. Shout out to Kaleo McClay. She is also a business owner and does custom sugar cookies out of Oklahoma City. And I just really love that about her. I feel like we're bonded. I got to hang out with her mom a little bit last week. So we talked about that. And I just want to say, if you ever get a chance to go watch sitting volleyball, go watch sitting volleyball. I've seen a few exhibitions, but we had a chance to play it last week at the Olympic Training Center. And It was so much fun. So I am now so adamant that anybody who has the ability to bring sitting volleyball to adaptive sports, whether you're in a recreation center, you're coaching kids, do whatever you can to get people playing the sport because it is so much fun. How hard was it? Oh, it was hard. Like moving yourself on the the court seemed incredibly difficult. It was. Yeah, I played high school volleyball. So I enjoyed it, and my position was back row. So I'm used to diving after balls. So that part came actually relatively easy to me, and I still wasn't great at it. But serving while sitting is 
very difficult, very difficult. And then I'm not a hitter, even on my feet. So hitting was a challenge. But yeah, it it was a lot of fun. And it was a privilege to get to play. But it just makes me hungry to want to go watch it and to get more people playing because it really is a fun sport. Sarah, how about your number three? Okay, since I can't say volleyball, I am going to say Oksana Masters, and I know she has been front and center, so it seems very um, just like, oh, of course you're going to say Oksana, but no, this is such a big deal. If you follow Oksana on social media, um, that 100 days out from Tokyo, she was actually having surgery. She didn't know where she would play. She was just excited to get to be there, to be healthy enough to compete, And then to win two gold medals, I think she surprised herself, but she didn't just win. She won by a a good amount, especially (laughs) in that road race. But yeah, I just loved everything about it. And now she has won gold at both the winter and the summer Paralympics, and she's planning to be in Beijing. And I just don't know how she does it. She, it, it blows my mind. She hangs out in the underground snow tunnel. (laughs) That's what it is. All right. Claire, you're number three. One of the things that I had mentioned before the Paralympics started was I wanted to watch more events that were not associated with the Olympics. I already mentioned Baccia. Really like that. But goalball also was one that I did really enjoy. The first time I watched it, they have to be visually masked up so that they can't see anything. And I just love that it really took away all of the extra stuff that people have to do in like handball and soccer, like pass the ball, boring stuff. It's okay. Shoot to the goal. Stop. Shoot the other goal. Stop. So it took away all of that extra trimmings and just focused on scoring a goal. And I love that. I do wish that we would have been able to hear the the bells inside the ball a little better. Hopefully in the next Paralympics, they're able to mic that up a little more. But I just really enjoyed how they played the game and watching the strategy of it all. It, it was great. If you didn't see it this time, definitely tune in next time. And if you want to go back and watch probably the best game is the USA women versus Brazil. That's a killer of a goalball match. Which I did not see, so I'm marking that down. Yeah, I would also say the men's final, I believe. The United States came from behind to win, and it was a really good game. All right, and I think I will go with football five aside, all of what I saw. I loved this sport so much more than I thought I would. Don't like Olympic football at all, but I loved the passion, the ball handling, the collisions, the wrenches pounding on the sides of the goal. I just loved this sport so much, and The bronze medal match where Morocco won the bronze first time on the podium was just amazing to see. Anytime Brazil was out there, their ball handling was unbelievable. This was another sport I want to see more of. I'm looking forward to a women's component coming sometime in the hopefully very near future, but just loved it, loved it, loved it. All right, that's number three. So number two, we're going back to Claire. 
I'm going to go all the way back to the opening ceremony and I do have to say that I loved the cohesive story that went from start to finish. Okay, we're talking about the Paralympic airport and how that all works and the little girl that the wing was broken and she couldn't fly and it just kept coming back to that. I thought, why haven't more Olympics done that? for their opening ceremonies, it just makes so much more sense. It keeps you involved. And I did also appreciate that the the athletes were seated and got to sit down instead of just meandering like they do at the Olympic opening ceremonies. I know they wanted some camaraderie, but this year it was impossible to do that. The entire storyline was adorable, and I loved how they were able to bring in those Japanese elements and still have it relate to the Paralympics and fireworks, of course. So kudos for them for putting out a really good opening ceremony. See, but could you imagine the Atlanta 1996 Olympic opening ceremony with the through line of the pickup trucks all throughout? Not the pickup trucks. (laughs) Do you remember at the very beginning they had those, it was like the, oh, Oh, the, 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 the Greek imagery. Yes. I, I watched that the first time and it went, what the heck is going on? But yeah, if they had gone with that, it would have been weird. But you have to find you have to find that simple story that that leads you through. I think Vancouver did that, if I recall. They had a kid, it's always a kid, going through some sort of thing and they had Donald Sutherland doing a narration. Do you remember that? For 2010? Go back. I remember that was a good one. So you get that through line. It does keep everything together and you're not so, like, bored. Anyone else have thoughts on the opening ceremony? My number two also was the one-wing plane. And that little girl, she was absolutely brilliant. Just her expressions, the, the portrayal, and it felt so genuine because she was disabled. And I think she felt it and it came through. Uh, Sarah, how about your number two? Since I had to take goalball off my list (laughs) and sitting volleyball, I am going to say it was a really good game watching the final for men's wheelchair basketball. The USA beat China. I think it was 64-60. It was a nail-biter come from behind. As y'all can tell, I love any come from behind victory, (laughs) but... Yeah, wheelchair basketball was exciting. I feel that one of the good things about – we saw more coverage of it, I think, than we have before. And I was seeing more people talk about it. I was hearing more people talk about it. And I hope that continues – to go that direction. I think it will because a lot of people, they understand the basics of basketball. It's not a brand new sport to them, but I thought it was really exciting. The United States defended their gold from 2016. I was pulling for Japan. Y'all know I love Japan. I love it when a host city wins, but it it was just a thrilling game. And if you're going to lose, that's how you want to lose is knowing that it was with the two best teams out of the tournament. For my number two, I'm going to go with triathlon and Kendall Gretsch coming from behind to win gold in the last 10 meters of the race. And that was an incredible victory. The triathlon all the way around was great. You had Brad Snyder winning gold in his class. Other classes were phenomenal, but this was really one of those moments where you saw it on replay and every time you're like, is she going to do it? Is she going to do it? And then she did it right at the very end, and it's just beyond phenomenal. 
All right. Yeah, not to bring in winter sports, but did anyone have flashbacks during that race of here comes Diggins? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and number one, Sarah, we will start with you. Okay, so I was going to say triathlon, which all the triathlon races were so exciting and watching how different classifications worked. I loved every single minute, but you mentioned triathlon. So I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I think my top moment was Misato Michisita winning the T12 marathon gold from Japan in Japan, she's 44 years old, and her story was incredible. She runs with a guide, and I just really, I know I said this when I covered for Allison, I just really love watching the runners that have guides and seeing their strategy, seeing how it works, and yeah, I was just thrilled for her. One of the many Japanese who were like, not in my house, not in my house. That was just a nice theme throughout all of the Paralympics where you just saw the home host nation athletes turn it up another notch just to get that medal, just to get the win. And so thrilling to watch all of that, I thought. And it's so much harder when you don't have any fans in the stands. So really, they're digging in deep from within and just living off of, of the vibes that are coming into the stadium from outside. Well done. I don't think any other country would have been able to get as many medals with zero support in the stands compared to Japan. Yeah, I think Team Japan gets all the glory. Allison, we'll go for your number one. In a surprise to no one, it's Chuck Aoki. Of course, it's Chuck Aoki. And wheelchair rugby. In the Olympics, how I absolutely fell in love with softball, wheelchair rugby was a revelation to me. What an amazing sport, what amazing athletes, so much fun to watch. Doesn't matter that it's a wheelchair sport. You're not watching it because, oh, it's a wheelchair sport. Isn't that nice? No, you're watching it because it's amazing. And to have a player on the court like Chuck Aoki, who clearly is got to be one of the best ever. It's getting introduced to basketball through Michael Jordan. It's that kind of of amazing and so much fun to watch and heartbreaking when they lost in the final, but not heartbreaking because Team GB was so good and had never medaled and all the excitement around that. So Chuck Aoki in specific wheelchair rugby in a broader sense. I'd have to go with wheelchair tennis all of it because every match was so intense and so amazing. The tournament had to deal, I think with the roughest conditions of anybody and athletics had a bunch of rough conditions, but just the wheelchair tennis people were up early. They were playing late. They kept getting moved around. Things kept getting rescheduled, but then you'd get these matches that would just go to deuce and then they'd go to advantage and deuce and advantage and deuce. And it, just seemed like sheer battles of the wills the entire tournament. It was just phenomenal. That quad men's singles tournament where you ended up with Alcott and the two Dutchmen in the medal slots was so brilliant. And I had seen wheelchair tennis before, but never the quad version. Wow. 
that mm, the it's such different tennis in the sense of how the shots look but wow is it good tennis exactly claire number one for you all right i saved the best for last i have to give my kudos to as much of the athletics competition as i can uh, because i haven't mentioned it yet but i thought it was so awesome that there was a shot put final like every single night and sometimes there were two and sometimes there were three how can you not love that if i had the time to watch all of them i would have but i had to limit myself and i i also really loved the athletics event that was specific only to their olympics which is club throw how they allow, you know, people, kind of like Baccia, who aren't really able to use their limbs as well, but they strap them in and they give them a club and they just chuck it. And the first time I saw that, like, this is fantastic. I love this so much. They didn't have as many finals for that because it was limited by classification, but to allow people to use their bodies, I guess I'm really focusing on the throwing events to allow them, even if they're not able to use their lower limbs, but they can still throw. There were some people that doubled up into shot put and discus, some people that tripled. I think they did javelin too. So getting them to do all these kinds of events was wonderful. And another example of, of why, as my the old saying goes, athletics is the best. <laughs> You've got five months until Beijing. That should give you enough time to watch all the shot put finals maybe if nbc makes it easy to find it on their app or on their website i will make a point to watch as much as i can at some point i need to focus on figure skating because all of a sudden it's boom uh what is it the grand prix are starting like next week or something like that oh man i'm really gonna have to there's gonna be this big turnaround now between summer and winter let's combine the two sports No, I just was going to say, Claire, when we were in Colorado, I told Meredith, I said, Claire is living her best life right now with all these shot put finals. I am so happy that was the case. And I never tweeted about it. Like, I always said, oh, I'm going to save that for tomorrow night because I've I've, I've tweeted too much about one thing. So I'll save that awesome shot put thing for, and then I never did. So this is my chance to say having shot put finals every day was wonderful. Excellent. Excellent. I'd say it is 149 days till Beijing as of today. Not scary at all. What makes it better is that all of you listeners helped fund our Kickstarter. We're fully funded. This means that we will be able to take advantage of the media credentials that we were awarded for both the Olympics and the Paralympics. We will have some on-the-ground presence Thank you so much. It means the world to us, and we will be working on your Kickstarter bonuses and getting you updates and messages about that ASAP. We're taking the show on the road, Jill. (laughs) No, that is a long road to travel to take the show. (laughs) I was going to say, I I guess you're going to China. (laughs) Like it or not. Any final thoughts from the Paralympics? I've got... One thing, I have actually been a proponent to put the Paralympics before the Olympics. I think it would give them more exposure, and I think more people would pay attention as to seeing them as the leftovers of the Olympics, where nobody really pays attention because they saw it already. That would never fly 
But I think I'm always going to carry that flag of put the Paralympics first, give people a preview of, of the Olympics, even if you have to give away what the cauldron looks like. I don't care. But give these guys a little more support so that they can be seen and we can support them even more. Yeah, there was a really good conversation in the Facebook group about that. And yeah, I'm still going through in my head. Should that happen? Should it not? Would it make a difference? I don't know. Yeah. I have thoughts. <laughs> Are you done, Claire? Some final thoughts. I do want to acknowledge Toyota. So at least for Team USA athletes, Toyota has guaranteed sponsorship for every person on the roster of the United States Paralympic team. Every athlete has the choice to basically sign a contract, get a $10,000 sponsorship. I think that it's somewhere in their contract. They maybe have to make an Instagram post or something, but it's not, it's not like they're going to exhaust themselves on behalf of Toyota. It, it's something that they're very capable of doing. The athletes and the families that I talked to in Colorado seemed really excited about it. I also want to acknowledge Toyota for providing the Paralympic family and friends experience that went on in Colorado, which that's what Meredith and I went to on behalf of Taylor Farmer. Toyota is advocating really well for Paralympic athletes, and I am grateful for that. I also will say that Team USA is doing a lot behind the scenes. There's a lot going on that we don't see and just to encourage Team USA, encourage your governing bodies to keep doing that. Let them know that we want to see that more, but also more than anything, at least in the United States, push, push NBC. It was amazing to get more coverage than ever, but as we know, it was still such a challenge. There are several families that did not get the opportunity to watch their athletes compete and that is just such a shame. I'm hoping that the momentum that we saw from these Paralympics will go into Beijing 2022. I think that a lot of people have gotten a taste of it and they're hungry for more. And so let's let them know that we are in fact hungry for more. Let's use our voices for everything that we can. But I am really encouraged at the direction that we're going. Not sponsored by Toyota. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, we aren't. <laughs> not, no, not sponsored by Toyota. Even if I um, harass their marketing executives to give us Mike and Maya updates, but <laughs> if you're in the if you're in the Facebook group, but you know, if Toyota wants to sponsor us, we'll be happy I to talk. Mean, the agency they work with, as well as their marketing executives, now know about y'all. So I don't know. That could be good or bad. I guess we'll see. But but no, not sponsored by Toyota. And, and Toyota's not the only sponsor of these athletes. It's just that we were able to see it up close. And I hope we get more companies. Toyota's great, but let's get even more companies on board with this. And the other thing that I will say is I'm over here complaining about the coverage, me, myself, as super fan Sarah. I also recognize that I need to put my money where my mouth is. And there are wheelchair basketball teams that compete for the University of Texas at Arlington right down the road from me. And guess what? I've not gone to one single game. I am saying on this podcast, I am committing to finding ways to go and watch these athletes compete where I can. A lot of colleges are growing in their Paralympic sports. More um, athletes are getting Paralympic sports scholarships with 
football and all these different things. And so if you have the opportunity to go, please go. And I'm preaching to the choir. I'm pre- like, I'm speaking to myself here. Nick Mayhew spent time at the University of Texas Arlington. I never made the effort to go watch. And I'm really kicking myself right now for that. So I commit to do that. I want to encourage everyone else to do the same. That is something I wish would be better broadcasted. Like me in Michigan, I wish that there was someone who was saying, hey, this Olympian or this Paralympian is going to be competing in Michigan next month. Some sort of alert that tells you, hey, nearby, something cool is happening. It's just so hard because the athletes feel like they need to proclaim it themselves. They have to proclaim it themselves or else no one else is going to get the recognition. So I I wish there was some sort of uh, format where we could find out the things that are close to us instead of us having to really dig because the average fan is not going to do the digging. So yeah, I, I also feel the need to go and support more Paralympic sports around the United States. Allison, do you have anything? We complained a lot over the two and a half weeks of how poor the coverage was. And we got some pushback that said, You're, you, we're getting so much more coverage than before. And I think this goes into fans, and I think this goes into sponsorship, and I think this goes into viewership. Para-athletes and pa- the Paralympics do not deserve the crumbs. They deserve a full plate. And I don't think we should ever be satisfied and they should never be satisfied with crumbs. And if this two weeks has taught me anything is that this amazing event and these amazing athletes have been living on crumbs for too long. And if us doing a daily show gave them a little bit more, I will do that a hundred times and stay up crazy hours and enjoy myself watching the sports a hundred times again. And I'm excited for Beijing and I'm excited to do it again for Paris. And they are, the Paralympics gave me a gift because I didn't know about these sports. I didn't know about these things and they deserve better and they should never be satisfied until they get better. I remember us talking about Rio and how we watched a little bit of Paralympics coverage then because it was on and we're like, oh, Paralympics, this is something new and exciting. But again, it was just, I just remember race after race in the same stroke and the same distance and not understanding because the broadcasters weren't doing a great job of explaining what the different classes were. And it's not enough to just put it on. You reminded me, yesterday I happened to be watching a commission hearing for Ohio redistricting map. And I know it's a big, but redistricting is a hot topic here in Ohio. And the commission is a majority run by one party. They don't really have an interest in having hearings. And they ended up having a bunch of hearings where there could be public comment. They shoved them all into one week and had them during the day so not everybody could go. And there was a gentleman there who said, thank you for having these hearings. It's a a big step that we can have them, but it's a small step that they are this way. And I felt the same way about the Paralympics, as you said, with crumbs. It's a big step that we had so much coverage, but such a small step in what really needs to be done to give this event its proper due. Preach. (laughs) It did get me excited for L.A., 
because it, I know it's probably going to be a hot ticket regardless. The Olympics are, of course, it's going to be sold out in LA, but I'm going to try to make a more concentrated effort to get tickets for the Paralympics when they come to LA, because I think that would be, that's going to be much more enjoyable for me and it won't be as stressful. Well, <laughs> and, and, you can and watch I'll just put every day. Exactly. <laughs> I could go to the track every day and see shot put. What is not to love? Oh my goodness. You've got me even more excited now. <laughs> Oh, I think it's great that we're actually fortunate that Beijing is so close so that people can get excited about the Paralympics and seeing the Winter Paralympics now that they know that more coverage is out there. So I'm excited about that. It's been an exciting couple of weeks. I guess on that note, we have a lot of work to do to get ready for Beijing and the Paralympics there, because I think this was really great, but it also showed us how much more we have to learn. So I really want to work to be better at this podcasting of the the Paralympics, and I don't even know what to say. But I just, we got a lot of work to do to be a better podcast for the Paralympics in Beijing. We got five months, Jill. We can do it. We, we got to start it. training in the snow tunnel like Oksana. <laughs> I'm going to slap on a weighted backpack like Lou Jones and just run. <laughs> Keep those batteries to your body so they stay warm. <laughs> exactly. All right. Oh, Claire and Sarah, thank you as always for joining us. It is always so much fun to have you on. We'll get to do this again soon. This is going to be good. If you haven't read our book club book, we're going to be talking about it, 7-7. Seven, seven. So That's right. Get that... reading. So speaking of book club, next week, Allison and I are going to do a big catch-up from Tokyo episode because a ton of stuff has been going on in Shuklastan, and we want to get you up to date on all of the ongoings there. And then the week after that, book club with Claire. She'll be back to talk 7-7 seven, seven by Ben Ryan. If you haven't read this book, you should read it now. If you got to get a copy, you can go to our bookshop.org site. That's bookshop.org slash shop slash flame alive pod. We get a little commission from anything you order through that link. And that goes to help cover the costs of running the show and putting on uh, more features as we get more money. So thank you so much for everyone who does shop through that link. We really appreciate it. Oh, I have one more note. I have some... One follow-up that I forgot to do in our last Paralympic show, a sitting volleyball correspondent, Brittany, wrote in telling us about Yugoslavia and Bosnia and Herzegovina. Because remember, Allison, we, we had the question of how Bosnia and Herzegovina had been just in every finals just about, except for this one, but since they had been a country. So we wondered, how was Yugoslavia as a country? Brittany found out that Yugoslavia did compete sitting volleyball in 1980, 84, and 88, and they got bronze in 80, then fifth place in 84, and fourth place in 88. And then they competed as Bosnia and Herzegovina. After that, they were recognized as a nation. Bosnia and Herzegovina sent two athletes in track and field in 1996, and then they first went to sitting volleyball in 2000. According to a couple of different sites, a lot of the volleyball players on the team lost limbs during the Bosnian War in the early 90s. And sitting volleyball, only sport that country has ever meddled in in the Paralympics or Olympics. What a strange thing to be so good in. So specific. It's very specific, but when you 
think about the Bosnian War. They must Absolutely. have a, a bigger talent pool to pull from. Sadly. It's an easy sport to adapt to. All you need is a net and a ball. You don't need a wheelchair. You don't need all the equipment and stuff. So sometimes you can go with the thing that's so often in the Paralympics. And we did see a lot of countries succeeding in places where they don't succeed in the Olympics. But a lot of times we saw China dominate in table tennis, both the Olympics and the Paralympics. So you see some similarities. But this is just Bosnia and Herzegovina. Sitting volleyball is our thing. Which is great. Exactly. But thank you, Brittany, for being our sitting volleyball correspondent. If you are interested in being a correspondent for a winter sport coming up in the Olympics or Paralympics, get at us because Brittany is incredibly helpful to us as we navigate a whole bunch of sports that some we know and are very familiar with, some we work to understand, but uh, this helps us bridge the gap a lot. So if you're interested, hit us up with what sport you'd like to do for at flamealivepod at gmail.com and we will talk with you further. All right, I guess that means the cauldron is closing on Tokyo. I cried again. <sighs> I know, it was very sad. It was That was a beautiful cauldron. They just did an amazing job with the, the whole flower cauldron opening for the cl- opening of the games, closing for the closing of the games. Just phenomenal. Paris uh, has got their work cut out for them. <sighs> that they do. I think that is going to do it for this week. Let us know if you have Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic withdrawals. Email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com or call or text us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAME-IT. We're Flame Alive Pod on Twitter and Insta and keep the Flame Alive podcast group on Facebook. It wouldn't be a Paralympics without a montage, so here is ours featuring music by Mercury Sunset. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa, I missed you. When that one-winged plane came out the first time with that beautiful little girl, it got me right away, and I started crying. Cauldron is lit. The games get to start. This is so exciting. Treat disabled athletes the same. Focus on the competition. The body mechanics of watching para sports is so fascinating. Right? I gotta say Chuck Aoki. I mean, real deal. He was pivoting faster than everybody on his chair. That's my mom job. Oh my goodness. And I like how they just kind of chunk it down. My tushy hurts just thinking about it. Honest to Pete. Ooh. Ooh, my house. This is wild. Well, wheelchair fencing happened. Are we all in love with Chuck Aoki now?
So apparently, OBS announcers work for MI6. <laughs> I saw some powerlifting. <laughs> One lift, just like Allison said. Hold on to your hats, folks. She's protecting the ball, and I want to be her. Yes, women can do anything. Murder ball. Nelson Crispin Corso. We got a haka, and that did make yesterday a little better. Ooh, Allison's away. What kind of superpowers do I have to complain about the feed all day? See, I go away for one day and Sarah encourages you and then the, <laughs> everything just goes off the rails. I was enthralled with Football Five Aside in a way I did not anticipate, and I cannot wait to watch more. They are two very tall women, but I will just hug them around the waist. I love you, Adam, sisters. I did wave back at the video. <laughs> I don't know. I hit the age where I love a good wave. Now we have a Paralympic Viking. They call him the Beast. <laughs> what a finish. What an amazing, amazing finish to that game. And that is how you become a Dane. That was a tough match to watch if you're American. If you're Japanese, wow, what a great match. <laughs> yeah. It's great medal ceremony. It'll, it'll make you feel better about everything. I mean, there was not a muscle that wasn't enormous. One hundredth of a second difference between gold and silver in a triathlon in a triathlon i will not fail the listeners again and delaying my watching of such things again every day i hope i don't have a beef but oh i got some beefs today i have given up attempting to see things and honestly Pete, i tell you i was 25 minutes away from no feed beefs Oh, if you want to see something specific, go to our streaming site. But the stuff isn't there. Let's move on to happier things before we just ruin the whole show. Quiet, please. Gold ball. <laughs> I'm going to go and see it. Gold ball. Quiet, please. If you haven't watched Gold Ball yet, you need to watch Gold Ball. My family is hooked. I love, I love Gold Ball. You want to say passionate, passionate Brazilians playing bocce. This was good. They were slogging out of the pit after each jump. They have to go measure it. It's just barely a victory. When I say photo finish, I mean inches.
It's Partika time. Epic, epic day in wheelchair tennis. <laughs> this is again one of those matches where it was heartbreaking for anyone to lose and thrilling for anyone to win. Prime Minister Modi's phone just must be super busy with all of the people he's had to call to congratulate. In this track competition, I feel so much joy from the athletes in a way that I didn't at the Olympics. That does it. I keep wanting to talk, but there's like the cauldron's out.